Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ah, uh, well, we don't play that song too often, Ray Dinger, but today is the day that we un pull it out of the closet. There you go. It is. A huge day in Philadelphia 76ers land for the franchise and the fans. How you doing, Ray Dinger? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good. Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, and we are currently just, wow, eight hours, I believe, if my math is correct, from tip-off to the 2022 NBA playoffs. Four-seeded Sixers. Uh, what are they, 51-31. and 31. Set to face the fifth-seeded Toronto Rappers. Opening round, game one, best of seven, Wells Fargo Center. Ray, it's been, it was four years of tanking, followed by four years of making the playoffs and kind of going out earlier than the fans wanted to. And so, Ray, is this finally the payoff year? Ray, what's your mindset? Payoff meaning what? Payoff meaning you give them a good run. Oh, I thought you meant a parade. Well, well, let's, you know, baby steps. Take it one step at a time? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a struggle. I think it's going to be a struggle. If anything, if what we've seen over the last few weeks means anything, um, you have to think that the, that the whole playoff run is going to be a struggle starting from, starting from tonight. Yeah. You know, for opening round, you know, you hope you get a breather. You hope you get a team that's not too tough that you can dust off in four or five games, just sort of sharpen up and get ready for the real competition, but... The real competition is here, and it's going to be here for this team the whole postseason drive because right now they're not playing championship basketball. You know, and I guess you know I've I've heard a lot of people over the last few days because they're so invested in this, and because like you said, all the tanking was meant to lead up to a moment that was going to bring us a championship. So a lot of people are trying to convince themselves, I think, that now oh, what happened the last couple of weeks, these few really bad games and some discouraging losses, and that doesn't really mean anything because. You know, ten, you know, tonight, 6 o'clock, they flip the switch. You know, Doc Rivers suddenly remembers how to run a bench. Um, James Harden turns back the clock and becomes Houston James Harden. And Joel Embiid stakes his claim to why he should be the MVP and all's well with the world. And I, I'd like to think it's going to be that simple, but I kind of don't think it's going to be. Well, I think I, I generally agree with you. Um, just uh, let me give people some background, and then we'll get into kind of breaking it down. By the way, 215-592-9494, if you'd like to join us today, we'll tell you everything that's going on in our show between now and one. A lot, a lot of good, fun features that we have. But um, the Raptors beat the Sixers twice 
late season matchups. They won three out of four during the season. You put a lot of stock in that. Um, yeah, I do. You do? Yeah, I do. I think. That, I think. That, you know, I think. I think. No, I think Toronto is good. You know, I. Okay. I don't think. I mean, sometimes you can look at um, the schedule, and it's when you play a team, and you know, maybe it's at the end of a long road trip, or you're catching them between tough games, and you look past them. Yada yada yada. We've heard all that before, but then. Then you'd look if if you really want to be serious about it. Then you look at the matchups. How does this? How does your team match up with that team? And the fact of the matter is, the Sixers don't match up well with this team, at least oh, in my yeah. opinion. I think it's problematic. I do. Uh, also, the you know it's the hey Sixers four. They got the home court advantage. Four versus five really isn't a big deal. Uh, the history of the league tells you that it's not a huge advantage. Uh, I'm going to get into some of the specifics coming up in a second. I will say it, it's interesting that you say you've heard in the last few days people kind of thinking the Sixers are, are if I heard you correctly, that people are pretty optimistic about that. It seems to have turned around. I mean, it seems oh, okay. like early in the week. No, okay. no, no, early in the week to the middle of the week, like when I was on with Joe and John, um, it was actually fairly pessimistic. Um, but then over the last, I'd say the last 48 hours, um, I'm starting to hear more positivity. And some of it coming from the national media. Some of the national media who I kind of thought were going to be picking this. Everybody's looking for the upset if, if five over four is really that much of an upset. I'm not sure it is. But everybody's kind of looking to pick a, a surprise game, a surprise series. And I've seen some of the national people say, you know, they're, they're going Sixers here. So they're going against what had earlier in the week seemed to be conventional wisdom. So from that standpoint, from in terms of public opinion, national media opinion, it seems to be swinging around later in the week that more people are th- looking at the matchup, looking okay. at the teams and saying, yeah, the Sixers are better. Okay, because I sensed earlier in the week, yes, the fans are more nervous than overconfident. And I think the way the season came down the stretch kind of opened up a lot of fans' eyes that, oh, there, there are some problems here. There are some shortcomings with this team, and maybe you put the coach right at the top of the list. Um, you know, everybody is hoping, 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 hoping that we get a really fun, long, prolonged stretch here or the alternative is agony. Uh, I will say I'm going to start with the with the optimistic. The optimistic spin says this is Embiid's moment. Mm-hmm. He has had a great year. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He has had a chip on his shoulder. The the MVP chip looms about fifty pounds. And you know, while I think there may be too much focus on that, hey, if it works as motivation, that's great. I think we all agree that this year's playoffs, more than anything, is about how far Embiid can carry them. He's never had that defining playoff moment, that series, you know, that season that clarifies his greatness. The optimistic spin says, okay, now the stage is set for Joel. You with me so far? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a big part of it. Yes, I agree. Okay. The flip side of that is he's got to do a lot of things, including – and I'll, I clearly think this, he's got to outplay the disadvantage the team has at coach. Um, I think Nick Nurse is a much more positive factor than Doc Rivers. I think if they say these things are about matchups, I trust Nick Nurse out there who's always moving things around, switching things, thinking ahead of the game, thinking outside the box, real top-flight coach. I know that Doc Rivers may have made a list recently of the 15 best coaches in NBA career. I don't know that he's one of the 15 best coaches in the NBA right now. I think that Toronto has a big advantage there. Ray Dinger? I agree. All right. Well, there's one. Two. Sixers' talents 
the Sixers have talent. They have a lot of talent, but it's top-heavy. It's Embiid, it's Harden, it's Tyrese Maxey, it's Tobias Harris. We'll get into the specifics of those guys. And sometimes that's a great advantage. I think over the course of seven games, depth can matter. The Raptors are more balanced. Again, Nick Nurse has more options than Doc Rivers. I think the lack of bench strength, and you can specifically play, say, you know, the big man, when, when Embiid sits down, the big man may play 10 minutes, but if that big man is as poor as what the Sixers have had so far uh, in the paint in those 10 minutes, that's some trouble. I agree. All right. Well, right. This, is going, this is going easier than I thought. Uh, okay, next. Um, I don't know that Tobias Harris is the guy that we always thought he was. Um, I think Tobias Harris is somebody who has to have a big series, and I have not seen that moment in the playoffs before. And I don't have a lot of confidence, based on what I saw in him this season, that he's going to be the guy to rise to do it. Yeah, uh, you need, in a series like this, and in every series moving forward, if indeed they move forward, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to, I mean, nobody's going to expect, or at least I certainly don't expect, that he's going to be the guy that's going to put it on his shoulders and carry him. He's not that player. He's a good player, um, but he's not, to me, he's not a postseason difference-making player. You know, he's, you know they over, I think we all recognize at this point that they overpaid to get him, uh, but that's beside the point. What, what you, what, that's in the past. What matters is the here and the now. And they're going to need a couple times during this series for him to hit big shots in the fourth quarter, not, not take over the game, but in a big spot, because I think it's going to be a lot of close games. I don't think anybody's going to run away from anybody in any of these games. So the fourth quarter, every possession is going to matter. And if he gets an open look from the corner to shoot a three, he's got to make it. You know, he doesn't have to score 40, but he has to score the big baskets in the big moments. That's what we have to see from him. Yeah, okay. Uh, next, I probably should have put this one a little bit higher. When they got James Harden, and we saw those first couple of games, we thought, finally. Finally, there's the second guy along with Embiid, so the pressure's not always on Embiid. James Harden is the guy, one of the top players in the NBA, Hall of Famer, still great. What we have seen over the course of the last month gives you fear that Harden, and I, I certainly don't want to say that he's cooked, but is no longer an elite player, is no longer the guy that, that can win the game for you. I don't know if it's, you know, I worry if his hamstrings are okay. Maybe we'll discover he's just been pacing himself over these last 10 games, and now that it's the playoffs, you ring the bell and he's out there. But I, I don't know if he's not just an aging superstar kind of quickly sliding down the cliff. Um, I certainly share that concern. I don't think you and I are alone in that. I, I think that this week having a little rest will undoubtedly help. Um, I think, and we've talked the last couple of weeks with Derek Bodner and uh, Keith Pompey, um, you know, and I've asked the question, are we looking at James Harden, a guy who's just playing through an injury, which I, th I clearly think he is, or is it the more dire co consequence that maybe we're just looking at a guy at 32 is just breaking down and isn't, isn't that same player anymore? And I think the answer probably is it's a little bit of both. You know, I think he probably is not the James Harden he was when he was playing in Houston winning scoring titles, but you combine that with what I think is still an a uh, painful hamstring, 
you know, he's he is not what he was when he first got here. When he was when his play was dynamic, it really was. Yeah. Um, but it's gone steadily downhill. And I just I know the Sixers fans are all saying it's the playoffs. You know, he's going to you know, as they say, flip the switch, and he's going to come out and he's going to play great, and he's going to play like he played when he first got here. Uh, the postseason energy, the adrenaline, all that stuff's going to kick in, and that's going to make all the difference. I, I, I don't know that it's that simple. I don't know that it's that simple. He'll, I don't think he's going to continue to struggle the way he's been struggling to this point. I expect him to play better, but for this team to win this series and really, as you said, quote-unquote, make a run, he's going to have to play like he played those first half dozen games when he came to the Sixers, and I just don't know if right now he's capable of doing that. All right, one more issue. Uh, and this one kind of came to light in the last couple of weeks. Uh, your best defensive player, your stopper, one of your five starters, a guy who's extremely important to the team, Matisse Thibel, will not be able to play those road games in Toronto because he is not fully vaccinated. It was his choice to make. It certainly does not help the team in a very, very close series where you are looking for any little edge or something to turn the tide, the fact that he can't play. In two or three of those games, that worries me. You lose one of those games. One of those games turns in the balance because you can't get the defensive stop because you don't have your right guy out there able to be on the court, and that flips the whole series. Right? It could be enough. And that part really scares me. Yeah, I mean, I think the games in Toronto were going to be difficult anyway, um, but not having Thibel makes them <laughs> that much more difficult. I mean, it's when you lose him and he's – you know, he's your best defender. He's certainly your best perimeter defender. Um, and if you don't have him to to play the three-point line, and especially up in Toronto, I think that's really going to be a problem. I think it's going to make that – I think it's going to make it very hard for them to win on the road in this series. I think, it, I think it, losing him for those three games is going to be a huge X factor. I mean, this could turn out to be – a total homer series where the Sixers win them all at home and they lose them all on the road. And if that's the case, good. Then you got the seventh yeah, game at home and you advance. But um, I think the three games in Toronto, which were going to be difficult anyway, without Thibel become significantly more difficult. Yeah. Okay. So, so, we're, so in, a, in I, essence, we're, in essence, I think we're in agreement right down the line. I think we may be, which makes me a little bit nervous. I will say the Sixers can and will win if Embiid plays out of his mind. We've seen him do it, mm -hmm. right? He's going to mm -hmm. do it consistently. And if a guy whose name we didn't bring up yet, Tyrese Maxey, uh, as a young guy, you know, really getting his first opportunity to shine in a playoff series, is as good as we have seen him in some of those games. And if James Harden can turn the way back machine so that he's suddenly 29 years old. And Doc Rivers sits on the bench and <laughs> doesn't get in the way. Right. <laughs> and you don't have to play your bench. Well, that's, that's pretty. That's how you win, I guess, yeah. right? Well, it's a pretty long checklist, but I think if all of those, if I mean, if you check all of those boxes, then you probably win, and then you probably move on. I just don't know that checking them is going to be as easy as just talking about it. All right, Ray. Well, it means that you and I have to make our predictions, and I love doing this uh, as part of the show, and I love the fact that our job allows us to kind of walk that line between being hardcore analysts and fans and it's a fine line sometimes mm -hmm. and as you know i usually move toward the the side of fan we'll talk about the phillies coming up okay but you know that i'll generally lean that way right i've been picked against over the years i've been doing this for 
30, how many years have I been in doing this? Well, it'll be 30 years at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. I probably picked against the Eagles in the playoffs like once, okay? Mm-hmm. I often lead with my heart. I would love to lead with my. Well, heart. you didn't. You didn't. Now you didn't pick him to beat Tampa Bay this year, did you? No. Okay. Yeah, maybe that was the once. Um, but I do often lead with my heart, and I know that. I know I can be guilty of that, but that's okay. That's part of the fun of doing it. I can't lead with my heart. I'm saying I'm saying Raptors in six or seven. I think I will be delighted if the Sixers win the series. I would not bet a penny on the Sixers winning the series. I don't have faith for all the things we said. I would be thrilled to be proved wrong, but I honestly have to sit here on this Saturday morning, the 16th of April, and say I think Toronto wins the series, and I'm hoping that you will disagree with me. Uh, I can't for uh, the simple reason that I've already picked Toronto. Oh. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm I'm not going to. You were on earlier in the week. Yeah, I was on with Joe and John, and. Um, they asked me to make a prediction at that point. Um, and I kind of said what you said. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for the Sixers. I want to see them make a deep run. I want to see them carry this season on. And I'd love to see them win a championship. I think it would be exciting. I think it would be great for the franchise. I think it would be great for the city. And I've, you know, and I've been a big Embiid guy. I think that, you know, I, I think you're right. I don't think he's going to win the MVP. I think he should. I don't think he will. But... If it's all said and done and he's the guy riding down Broad Street holding up the trophy, who cares? You know, so I, I, that's how I would like to see it turn out. But I – and the whole last week of regular season, I, the one thing I kept thinking was I don't want, to, I don't want Toronto. I really if – if there was some way this could have worked out that they could have played another team, if they could have played Chicago, if it could have worked out any other way, I just think this is – I just think, again, I think this is a really bad matchup for them. And, and – the Thibel factor to me is huge, the three games in Toronto. I think it's going to be a grinding series. As I said, I think every game is going to be close. I don't think there's going to be anything one-sided here. I think every game is going to be fought into the fourth quarter. But when it's all said and done, I, I think Toronto wins. I really do. Yeah, well, we'll start to learn tonight, 6 o'clock. You know, the Sixers blow them out by 20 tonight. I'll be back tomorrow telling you that uh, I, I flip-flop. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you've done you've done that before. Sure, why not? Speaking of which, Ray. Speaking of bad predictions, I the Phillies may not go one sixty two and zero. I'm afraid. I think that's already been determined. It was a week ago that they were just ripping the ball all over the ball yard, and I was feeling great. And they won the first two games of the year against a terrible franchise. But I thought, hey, this is it. Got some starting pitching. Bullpen looks good. They're crushing the ball. Well, Ray, since you and I last met, they are 1-5, including they, they lose 7-1 to the Marlins yesterday. They yeah. have now lost four in a row to the Marlins and the Mets, the teams in the division that you got to beat, the mm-hmm. teams that, that last year they couldn't beat. the. Since the start of 2020, the Phillies are 6-13 and 13 in Miami. It's ridiculous. You can't do that. No, you can't. And they can't hit the ball. Ray, say something brilliant. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber? No, you, you know were, he got a home run his yeah, first yeah, bat. Yeah, you were talking. He took that first swing of the bat. You sort of, you just all of a sudden you saw Babe Ruth waddling around the bases. <laughs> I saw waddling. Yeah, you, I mean you, you totally, you totally lost your head with that one swing of the bat. No, I did not. I've yes, seen, you did. I've, right, I've seen, hold on. First of all, Kyle Quinn has something he wants to play, so let's get that out of the way. The pitch. Sanchez swings and rips it fair past the dive of Hoskins down into the right field corner. And Sanchez again driving Cooper in. Sanchez trying for third. 
Here's the relay by Stott, and it's not in time, says Alan Porter, although Johan Camargo says he thinks he got him. Yeah, he didn't get him. No. Sloppy defense. Um, <laughs> well, so At least we both agreed on that at the outset. Yeah, even, we, well, as, I, as delirious as you were about the Phillies starting the season, even you didn't go so far as to say, and you know they're much improved defensively. No, that wasn't going to be. Uh, Kyle Schwarber did hit a home run in his first at bat as a Philly. He is, uh, he's, he's won for his last 28. Schwarber and Bryce Harper are combined 7 for 61 with 23 strikeouts. You know what that says to me, Ray? Well, what's that? They're due. Oh, is that what it says? Oh, yeah, today. Turns around today. And I don't know. I, I you know, and I, Matt Veerling is going to he's going to turn into Mike Trout tomorrow. No, right? Matt Veerling is not Mike Trout. Oh, okay. I mean, I know what these. Kyle Schwarber is a guy who's a proven frontline major league player. He's been that. He's just you know not playing well. Anyway, it's not looking that good. I just I I wanted to, um, I guess, give you the opportunity to laugh at me. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Yeah, well, yeah, a- I guess I am. But uh, um, I'm I, not laughing, comma. He said. He said. He said. He said. Laughing. Um, no, no. I mean, listen. It, I got to tell you that I, I was not as over the moon about the team as you were to start the season. But um, if they hit a rough patch, I certainly didn't expect it to look like this. I certainly didn't expect them to lose by not being able to hit. You know, I thought that with the lineup that they had, and you look at it on paper, you say, well, this team's going to score runs. Now, do they have really good pitching? Frankly, I don't think so. I'm still not sold on the bullpen, and the defense is beyond atrocious. So that's all out there. But I thought, yeah, you know, they'll lose games for those reasons, but they're not going to lose games because they can't hit. Well, right now they're in a stretch where they can't hit. Now, I don't think that's going to be true over 162 games. You've got too many good professional hitters in the lineup for that to happen. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise another issue here. It's, oh, there's more. Well, one to, glaring one to me. What? Can Aaron Nola still pitch? No, that's a real concern. Yeah, that's that's two, two. Well, you know, he the, the last start was just terrible, and he couldn't find his control. The one before that, he did the thing where like he's good till he's not good. The manager should have pulled him out. But Aaron Nola, uh, Aaron Nola is the guy who what was it twenty eighteen? It's like, hey, we finally got our one starter, and then it's like, well, maybe he's a two. And then going into this year, like, you know what? He's a nice solid three. He's a good third starter. Right. He's moving down the number week by week he, with. He's moving. He's moving down a notch every start. Yeah, I know. That's a concern. Yeah, I mean, I because you you really thought at, at one time. I think we're all past the point that he's ever going to be the ace. You know, I think that that ship has sailed. But you're thinking, yeah, I think he can be a functional. You know, maybe he can be a pretty solid two, or at, at the very least, a good three. Right now, I'm not sure what he is, yeah. but I I know this. He's not good. No, he has lost himself, and it's been a long time since he's found himself. And uh, the the hope that it would come early this year is, does not appear to be within possibility. All right, so that was two depressing things. Yeah, the show really will was. not be depressing. Let's we hope promise. not. Coming up on the show, as we move forward, the Ray Dinger College Draft Preview, as we are now, what, two weeks? Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. Yeah, we're like 10, 11 days from the draft. Ray, what are you going to review today? Uh, I'm going to look at a position that you're probably not going to see called upon on opening night. Probably, you know, Thursday night, round one, you're probably going to go by without one of these guys being picked. But I will tell you, it's a good crop. They're not going to go high, but once you start dipping into it, you're going to find it's a pretty nice well, and that's the running backs. Oh, okay. Sweet. Looking forward to that. This week in Philadelphia sports history, brought to you by Scheib Sports, is going to relive a notorious draft moment. People can probably guess 
what that is going to be. Derek Bodner, the aforementioned NBA expert, is going to join us at 11. He'll help us tee up Sixers Raptors tonight. And coming up, oh, I got, by the way, guess what I got for what we're watching today, Ray? Uh, let me guess. It's a uh, British spy show. Yes. It's a I, British cop drama. How did a I new know? one. I love it. How did I know? Oh, come on. They're great. It's, it is. It's a good one. And at noon, tell us your story. We went to our pal Ross Tucker and Ray. It's a really fun one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong interviewing a Princeton guy, right? I mean, you just can't. <laughs> that wasn't my thing. Was, I wasn't going to lead with that. Well, I think that's a significant part of the story is how you find your way from being an undrafted free agent from Princeton to a seven-year NFL playing career to a position of being a very highly thought of and extremely visible NFL analyst. So, uh, yeah, I think Ross Tucker has a pretty good story, and he was certainly fun to talk to. A lot of fun to talk to, so that's coming up. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.